I'm Brenda. And hi, I'm Amber. And this is the Minority Millennial Money Podcast. The contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Amber nor I, nor Minority Millennial Money, is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and tax accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. Minority Millennial Money Podcast. Today, we want to talk about all the different types of insurances that you could possibly get, just because I feel like most people only know about the big ones like homeowners and car insurance, but there are other types of insurance that you need. For example, if you have a rental property or if you're a renter. Yes, lots of insurance. (laughs) So first, let's get the regular, like most common ones out of the way, which is car insurance. I personally have been with the same car insurance company probably forever. I don't think I've ever changed, but they tend to have the most competitive rates for me in my area and the amount that I drive. So I stick with them, but a lot of people will do shopping around every six months to a year. What do you do, Amber? Um, So I used to change it every few years, but now um, I just have the same one because it's just easier. Yeah, sometimes the $10 difference, even a month, much less every six months, is just not worth the time and energy I'm going to put into trying to find new rates. So that's it for car insurance. I did, you and I were talking about companies like Root Insurance, which is a company that tracks the way you drive. They give you a device to put in your car. They track the way you drive and they give you your rate based on that. So that's something if you're like a very responsible driver, I haven't gotten a ticket in several years, but I don't consider myself the best driver on the road. (laughs) I'm not sure I want to drag her. I had that. I think a lot of insurance companies are starting to do that now because when I had Safeco, they offered this deal where you would get less money uh, on your insurance if you basically let them track everywhere you go. And you, so you download an app on your phone And I guess anytime you were driving, somehow it knew and it just like tracked your like GPS location and like, I don't know, it was weird. Probably. Um, I did it because I was like, whatever you you can know. Yeah. I don't, and I'm not worried about them tracking me. I'm just worried my rate will go up. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's possible. Oh, okay. I don't think they can do that. Well, then maybe I will. Um, Thanks for letting me know. Okay. The next one is obviously homeowner's insurance, which if you're a homeowner, you have to get as part of your mortgage contract. And for those of you who are considering making your home a rental property, make sure that you change your homeowner's policy into a landlord policy, which is more expensive. But if you have tenants in the home and the house burns down, but you didn't have a landlord policy, your house is burned and nobody's replacing it. So just make sure that that happens. And then that brings us to renter's insurance. What do you know about renter's insurance, Amber? I mean, I, I really like renter's insurance. I have it everywhere I go. It covers, you know, if you have a break-in, it covers your personal belongings. So when I was a landlord, one of the things that I found out about the landlord's insurance policy is it doesn't cover um, sort of like the interior belongings of the home, like homeowner's insurance does. 
And so the renter needs to get their own renter's insurance in order to cover their own personal items. So like if someone comes in right now and steals my TV or whatever else is in here that's worth something, um, I can make a claim on my renter's insurance policy. Right, exactly. And I also require my tenants to have renter's insurance just because a lot of the stuff in there is mine because both of my properties were rented out furnished. And, um, and just in case anything happens, I mean, for me, the one I purchased for my apartment is like 1250 a month. That's $12 and 50 cents. And I already had an incident where I had a really expensive bike stolen from, um, the apartment garage. And I was able to get the cost of the bike reimbursed, which is more than I'll pay in premiums all year. So it really paid for itself. So that's something that everybody who's renting should consider because it's so cheap and it can really save you so much heartache if something were to happen. And you always think that you're not going to be the person that something happens to, but you well, very well could be. Right. So then the next one is life insurance. Um, so I got a term policy a few years ago that was for 30 years. So a term policy is like, it's for a set amount of time. It will cover you if you die for a certain amount and that money you decide who it would go to. And ideally, you know, they would use it. Like for me, I would want my family to be pay off, to be able to pay off my rental properties and have those for them. Right. But if I didn't have life insurance, my family would be stuck with continuing to rent out my homes. Um, and that would just cause a lot of issues. So life insurance is good. And you had whole life insurance, which, you know, there's different debates about whether it can be good or not. So what was your experience? Right. I mean, I thought it was okay at first. So whole life insurance is basically where you pay a certain amount of money. It's basically like an overfunded life insurance. So like I was paying like 500 a month or something like that. Yes. And you the amount of money goes in and essentially like you get like a 5% interest rate on it, but it doesn't start until after five years. So you take a loss for the first five years. And then after that, it starts collecting interest. And a lot of people who first start off with the personal finance stuff, uh, get trapped into those. Cause a lot of insurance companies will try to put you into those if you have money. And, but the life insurance policy was like a million dollars. So if I would have died, I would have gotten a million dollars or someone would have gotten a million dollars. But I mean, I mean, nobody in my family needs to have that much money if I die. Like, <laughs> then they're not even going to be sad. <laughs> be like, we got a million dollars. I'm going to be like Brenda who? <laughs> right. So, um, yeah. So basically it's like a way to save money because the interest rate isn't, uh, you know, you're not taxed on that or whatever. Like the money that you make in that account, it's not taxable. So that's why they tell you to do it. I ended up getting out of it because it just, I found a new financial advisor and um, it just wasn't lucrative. Like you can put your money into the market, get a 10% return immediately versus waiting five years and then only getting a 5% return. It just doesn't make any sense. And like I said, last year I got 19%, a 19% return. So imagine if I was still in this policy and I got 0% return versus 20%. So Right. And, you know, it's a big difference. Like my life, my term life is $17 and 50 cents a month. So I can put the other $480 in the market, right? right. Like, right. 
it's just, it's for us. And then in 30 years, hopefully I'll be self-insured, right? My homes will be paid off. I won't need life insurance necessarily because all of my assets will be for my family. And so, and you know, if I have children, they'll be hopefully at least 20 years old and, you know, they won't need this, this um, umbrella over them in case I were to die. Speaking of umbrella, (laughs) there's another type of policy called an umbrella policy which is a type of insurance that covers you like if you were to get sued and for example I've been sued for a minor 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 car accident but thankfully my car insurance covered it but if they had come after me in a more personal way then that umbrella policy would have covered me that one's about $200 a year so it's like not even $20 a month um and it covers a good amount so that's something that also as a landlord, I try to get just because sometimes with tenants, like things can get messy. I try to, I think that I'm a very reasonable person and I've never had any, you know, explosive issues with my tenants, but you never know what kind of people you run into in life. And that is just like a peace of mind insurance that I like to have. That makes sense. And then, yeah, I mean, 200 bucks a year, I'll take it. Um, then I think that was all of them apart from like me, I'm a medical professional. So if I work independently without an employer over me and I'm just a contractor, then I get my own malpractice insurance, right? And so if you're a nurse, nurse practitioner, I do advise all registered nurses to get their own uh, malpractice insurance because if something happens, maybe you didn't do anything wrong, but something happens with the patient, they sue hospitals are pretty quick to put the blame on the employee and you want to get insurance, but not tell anyone that you have it because if they know that you have it, then they're more likely to blame you. <laughs> right. right, Definitely. So, um, I definitely had insurance as an RN. And if you're a nurse educator, there's also insurance for nurse educators, because when you teach nurses, you let them practice under your license when you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. So if they do something wrong, it comes back on your license. And so it's helpful to have malpractice insurance in that sense. So if anyone has any questions about all these different policies, reach out to us. We are MM Money Pod on Twitter, Minority Millennial Money on Instagram, and both of us are on Twitter as well individually. And we have a link tree now, which is on our Instagram and our Twitter. Yes, contact us. Yes. Take care, y'all. Bye.